Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Best on the Board. It is Friday, October 1st. Derek and Riper in for Michael Beller, still here with Casey Joyner breaking down our favorite bets on the board from this NFL slate in week four. KC, how's it going for you on this Friday? Doing fantastic. How are you? Doing great. First time I've ever spoke to you is on this podcast, and I'm excited to chat with you and get some insight into what you like this week and taking a quick look back at last week. Both you and Beller went 2-1 and one with your picks. You were over on the Baker-Mayfield yardage total. It was kind of the reverse of the Aaron Jones situation that happened to you back uh, in Week 2, and Jones narrowly missed by like 2.5 yards. Baker just got it in, so it's nice to see those things kind of work out uh, over the course of the season. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got a bit worried there when it hit the fourth quarter, and he got one pass. I forget who completed it, to, uh, but he, he made one pass, and he got 245, and I thought, I'm lucky he got it there, because at that point, they shut it down. They I don't think they threw one pass the rest of the game, but they didn't need to, but that's fine, you, as long as you hit the over, and again, they they play they pan out over time if you uh, if you play close ones like that. Absolutely. You got Melvin Gordon over 13 and a half receiving yards last week, too. I think it was one catch for 25, so sometimes all one is one big one is all you need for some of those <laughs> Lower over under totals, but uh, yeah, two and one for you, two and one for Beller. Let's keep the momentum going here in week four. Let's go to your first pick. What's your first call for this week? My first call is going to be Tennessee versus the Jets. Tennessee is only a seven point favorite, and I, I, I think that, that that's a low number for what this matchup is because the Jets' offense it's atrocious. It, it's it's got to be the worst offense in the NFL right now. They rank dead last in scoring drive percentage, points scored. They rank dead last in offensive expected points added. They're 29th in turnover drive percentage. I mean, the percentage of drives they're turning over the ball, they're, they're terrible. They've got the highest pass pressure rate allowed, and they've allowed the most sacks. And you think about that, and it's just it's this awful offense. And you got the Titans offense. Week one, Todd Downing doesn't know what to do with them. He somehow gets away from the game plan from last year. And obviously, week two and week three has been a completely different story. Derrick Henry's rushed for 392 yards in those two weeks. I just don't think the Jets have anywhere near enough firepower. I've seen them score, and if they're lucky, they're scoring 13 points in this game. And I'm going to get a Tennessee going. I, I see them in the mid-20s at the very least. So I really like Tennessee with minus 7 in this one. Yeah, popular survivor pick this week, too, kind of right alongside Buffalo, even though the line for this game is much smaller than that uh, Bills-Texans matchup. But Andrew DeWitt said it on the pod earlier this week when we were doing the early line show. There's really nothing the Jets do well right now. Like They might have the right pieces in place long term, but this team doesn't actually have a strength, and that could be a big problem. Even trying to slow down what is probably going to be a, a Derrick Henry 30-carry sort of approach, right? With A.J. Brown hurt, with Julio Jones dinged up, the Titans offense might just say, hey, Derrick Henry, guess what? You're the bell cow again today, and we're going to roll in this game and just kind of run the clock out. So I'm with you on Tennessee. I think that's a really good call, and I just don't see the Jets having anything they can do to slow down Henry and company. I want to start with the Bucks uh, going into New England. No one's talking about this game, KC. It's like it's an invisible <laughs> primetime game. That never happens. But no, in all seriousness, they're, they're seven-point road favorites. 
I don't see how the Patriots keep pace with this Tampa Bay offense. I know the Bucs have major issues in their secondary right now. How is Mac Jones and that passing game going to exploit that? Is there any way this game can be high scoring and close? Like, I don't see that as a possibility at all. The only way the Patriots keep it within seven is if Belichick does have a phenomenal game plan to slow down the Bucs offense, but they're healthy on that side of the ball. When you have that big four all out there together, it's a really difficult offense for any team to slow down. That Patriots defense is going to be on the field all night on Sunday. I think that's going to be part of a problem. So I can see it being one of those games that's really close at halftime. And by the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, the Bucks open it up. I think they win by double digits this week. I, it, I have trouble seeing the Bucks winning by any less than the touchdown as well because, I mean, New England doesn't have a great running game. They just lost James White. And I do a matchup points total listing uh, where I look at matchups and based on a 1 to 100 scale with 100 being the most favorable, 1 being the least favorable. The rush defense matchup for the Bucks or for for the uh, for the Patriots, it's the least favorable. It's one. I mean, this is a horrible matchup. So if they can't run the ball, they have to pass. Yeah, the Bucks secondary hasn't been anywhere near as good for uh, Sean Murphy Bunting since he's been out. And I know they're missing Jamel D. And I know they've got some problems back there. But I mean, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, and, uh, Jacoby Myers. I mean, who who are you throwing at them? I just don't see a lot of situations where they can get into that sort of contest. And as good as Belichick is as a coordinator. Okay, he's still going to be able to give Brady dink and dunk passes, and Brady will be so motivated to show. If you want me to dink and dunk on uh, a 15-play drive to go downfield, sure, I'll do that. And I can see them being successful doing that a couple, three times. I just don't see a lot of points out of the Patriots. And as you said, I don't think they could turn this into a high-scoring contest. They don't want to, and I don't think they have the horses to do it anyway. It's one of those games where, because of the narratives, I think people are going to be all over the props, and there might be some mistakes made there. I mean, yeah, in my head, I see Gronk scoring the first TD and uh, and going over his yardage total, but I don't want to let my emotions kind of carry me here. And I don't, I don't, I'm not a Brady fan. I'm not a Patriots fan. I just, I think this is a case where there's one team that is a legit Super Bowl contender, and one, as I keep calling them is a team that will only win games against first-year head coaches, first-year quarterbacks, and head coaches that are going to be fired. Like that That's the rubric for games the Patriots can win with their current personnel, unfortunately. And I think the other thing here, Tampa Bay's pass defense has been bad. They have seen Dallas and the Rams already in the first three weeks, too. I think matchups need to be a little bit of a factor in how leaky we think that secondary is really going to be. Yeah, definitely. And mind you, injuries are a big part of the, of the issue for the the Bucks. And and losing again, losing Dean and losing Murphy Bunning is is big. But they still have talent back there. Who knows if Richard Sherman will play or not? But they have. I just still, it's not the kind of matchup. If you're, a lot of times coaches will say if they want to get in, if they have a talent de- uh, deficit, they'll say, okay, we want to go ahead and get in a shootout contest. I think with Belichick, you don't want to do that because shootout contests can can balance those out. You just again, are you gonna are you gonna finally get Hunter Henry involved in the passing game? Are you gonna get Jonathan Smith? Maybe, but that's gotten away from everything that you've done as a team this year. So I just I don't know that I want Mac Jones throwing 50 times against the Tampa Bay defense that is eventually gonna figure out where it's at. And plus, their front seven is still really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be a lot of time for Mac Jones to make decisions in uh, in the pocket in this matchup. Let's get to pick number two. I like this one for you. You got a prop that you want to feature? Yeah, I do. Robbie Anderson uh, over uh, forty six and a half receiving yards this week. Um, Anderson's likely to get Anthony Brown in coverage, and Anthony Brown that's a huge advantage for him because Brown has played terribly this year. He was a really good cornerback last year, but so far this season. He's allowed 17 completions on 23 targets for 235 yards and two touchdowns. It's a 73.9% completion rate, 10.2 yards per target. 
Next-gen stats have said that Anderson is not getting much separation this year. That's his big problem. I think he has the 10th lowest separation rate among qualifying wide receivers. Not good, but when you've got this sort of matchup, that's a big thing. And Carolina, when you look at their the the types of route, the amount of routes that they're using him on, the types of routes they're using him on, he's still getting the vertical routes. He had seven vertical routes last week. They're still you know, getting plenty of short routes to him. So he's still getting utilized in the offense the same way as far as in the play calls. He's just not getting the passes thrown to him. This contest, because of this matchup, I think they're going to get him a ball because I think they want to get him a ball because at this point, Receivers are the sort of people where if you don't get them involved, they tend to, they're kind of divish sometimes. And if you don't get them involved, they, they just don't play as well because they want to they want to keep getting passes because that's the only thing that they do. And I think they really are desperately wanting to get Anderson back in the, into their offense in a significant way. And this is going to help them do it. Yeah, I think back to last season when Christian McCaffrey was hurt. I mean, this was an offense that sustained three pass catchers consistently. It, it was a very different setup without McCaffrey. I think that actually changes the way the Panthers offense wants to function. I think you're right. They want to get Anderson involved because he's their best field stretching option right now. And that changes a lot underneath for their other pass catchers so they can get that working. So I do like this call. I think he kind of makes sense as a, a buy low in fantasy leagues for, for the same kinds of reasons after this really disappointing start. Uh, I'm going to take a, a similar approach and go to that Arizona uh, uh, Los Angeles matchup. This is a one that I really like Christian Kirk. Over under for him is only forty three and a half yards, and this game, this game's going to shoot out, right? Is there is there something I'm missing here? Like I know there's a possibility of a Rams letdown coming off the emotional win over the Bucks last week. I think the line moved to four now. Rams are favored by four, but the over unders in the mid fifties. These teams are going to be up and down the field, and Christian Kirk shouldn't really see much, if any, Jalen Ramsey in this matchup because DeAndre Hopkins is out there. So over forty three and a half for Christian Kirk looks like an easy call for me. I would agree. Uh, he, if Nuke is, if Hopkins has any issues, I think he has a, a rib issue, but I don't think it's, it's going to keep him out of the contest. That would be the only way that Kirk might see some of him. Kirk has also been splitting time with uh, Rondale Moore as in the slot as number three, number four receiver. But last week he had a lot more snaps than, than Rondale Moore, and I think that the Cardinals don't want, I think they want Kirk to be their number three and Rondale Moore to be their number four for now because Moore's a rookie and you want to get a broken in. And yeah, he had a good game a couple weeks ago, but you don't want to count on a rookie to do that. So uh, you see that and you see, uh, as you said, it's going to be a high scoring contest. I mean, you've got a four wide receiver set like that. The Kingsbury offense says, it doesn't usually necessarily say we're going to call a certain receiver to get open. We're going to call like, you know, hey, we want to get Nuke open. It, call, it attacks uh, defenses in a way that says we're just going to throw to the open guy. So if the Rams are not paying a lot of extra attention to Christian Kirk in coverage, which I don't think they would given the other weapons on the team, okay, then the coverages are going to dictate that he's going to be open. So I like him from that perspective as well. Yeah, targets have been there pretty consistently, at least four targets each of the first three games, plays tons of snaps, like you said, and has gone 65 yards or better in each of the first three games. So just thinking about the script here, how he's played, how he's been utilized, lots of reasons uh, to believe in Christian Kirk with that number sitting at 43 and a half. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get to our final picks for this week, KC. Pick number three for you. What's it going to be? 
That would be uh, Las Vegas and the Chargers. The over on that game is only 51 points. I, again, scratched my head on that going. So the oddsmakers think this is going to be, say, a 27-24 game. And nothing about this would tell would say that it would be that sort of contest. I think it's going to be even higher scoring than that. The Chargers and the Raiders rank fifth and sixth, respectively, in offensive scoring drive percentage. The percentage drives that they're scoring a touchdown or a field goal. Uh, the Chargers, they rank 22nd in scoring drive percentage allowed. And the only reason the Raiders haven't allowed three straight games at 27 or more points is they played the abysmal Steelers offense in Week 2. The Steelers have been even a decent offense. They would have put up more points, but their their line is terrible, and, they, and Ben Roethlisberger doesn't have an arm anymore. So both of these defenses are playing badly. Both of these offenses are playing quite well. I just think that instead of seeing 27-24, I see this game as having all the hallmarks of a 34-31 contest. So I'm definitely going to book the over on this one. Yeah, we've been gifted with some really nice primetime games here through the first month of the season. I think this one's going to follow suit for the first Monday night game of October. I actually wanted to piggyback on this pick, too, because I think the Chargers offense is a special offense. They're going to be 30 points a week with ease, and the version of Derek Carr that we're seeing right now, I don't know if I ever thought we'd we'd get to this level with him. I think he started pushing the ball downfield more last year, so that certainly opened up the possibility of of something like this uh, compared to where he was two and three years ago when it just seemed like it was a it was check down, check down, check down, not, nothing downfield consistently. And now they've got playmakers that can actually go get it, too. I mean, Darren Waller obviously is a mismatch nightmare. And Henry Ruggs looks like he's having a legitimate breakout. Brian Edwards is a nice option on the outside. Like Part of it is Carr's development, and part of it is the Raiders actually having a pretty good supporting cast for him, too, that gives me some confidence that they can come out and finish 24-plus points week in and week out against just about any defense. Yeah, definitely. And the Raiders, Cars is, I think he's second in the league in pass attempts, second in yards. And when you look at his vertical passes, and I looked at it after I wrote a weekly article for The Athletic for uh, the covers fantasy football. Now after week three, he ranked, what is it, fifth in vertical pass attempts. He's got some of the – it's a very vertically oriented offense. I mean, it's not just that he's you know hitting an occasional big pass. That's a central part of what they do now. It's, a really, it's an old Al Davis kind of team. You're going to go vertical and stretch the field. And the Chargers, again, neither of these defenses are playing particularly well. The Raiders have a good pass rush. Okay, but you know the the Chargers had the makings of one of the best offensive lines in the league, and they're starting to play to that level. So I just think when you, and again, and, and you're thinking that they have uh, you know, the Raiders could get Josh Jacobs back this weekend, and uh, uh, Peyton Barber looked really good last week filling in for him, and they still have Kenyon Drake, and you've got and Mike Williams has been a fin- he might be the best receiver in the NFL right now, or darn close. If it's not him, it's Cooper Cup. I mean, he's playing that well. So there's so many big play opportunities in this game. It doesn't it just could be one player. It's going to be both teams have that kind of firepower. Yeah, and I think with the the Chargers, I mean, for years, it feels like they've had pretty bad luck in terms of offensive line health, major injuries, either in the preseason or early in seasons that have really depleted that unit. That has become a strength, too, that's probably a little bit overlooked by the firepower they have. They're actually good at protecting. Uh, it, it, this, is, this is like a totally new world for the Chargers. If you're a Chargers fan right now, you are in line for, I think, a really nice run here for these next few years, kind of going toe-to-toe with the Chiefs uh, in the AFC West. Uh, one more thing I just wanted to ask you about, because I am too close to the situation to look at it correctly. I feel like the Packers against the Steelers, that should be a bigger line than it is. I know we're still waiting on some final injury updates on like TJ Watt and Deontay Johnson and Juju Smith-Schuster. But even if all three of those guys play, the Steelers' offensive line is awful. And Ben Roethlisberger looks done. Does that line seem a little too small to you in that Packers-Steelers matchup? 
Yeah, it does. I hate to say it, we're Steelers fans. My, my son is a big Steelers <laughs> fan of this house, so it pains me to say so. But absolutely, I think it, it – I mean, the the offensive line, I, I have this metric called good blocking rate measure so often in the offensive line because the ball carries quality run blocking. The Steelers are atrocious in that metric this year. Their pass blocking has been has been terrible. And, and you get Roethlisberger, he's got an arm. He can throw dink and dunk passes. He'll you know They put 14 targets uh, last week to Najee Harris, so he can throw dink and dunk passes. He can throw certain types of vertical passes if you if he can lob it out there, but if he has to gun it in there, nah. And defenses are realizing that. It's part of the reason that they can't run block well is because defenses are just teeing off and saying, fine, go ahead and throw a vertical. We don't think you can do it. And when you've got that kind of problem, their secondary is a work in progress. Uh, I mean, Minka's back there. He's he's really good. But the the rest of the corners are, I mean, Sutton's solid. But they, they've got Pierre, who got beat for a touchdown last week. He's not that good. And the front seven is so banged up defensively that I, their pass rush has, has been – I don't want to say abysmal this year. See, they, they they ended their seventy five game streak of with at least one sack last week. So obviously their pass rush isn't there anymore either. So when you put all those factors together, I think people are thinking the Steelers are just going to bounce back. And as he, again, as is we pay attention to the Steelers a lot in this household. I think I'm thinking I'm six and eleven season. I think they're on the verge of a bad campaign, and I think it'll become clear after this contest because the Packers are probably going to dominate it, and then that'll be the time when people say, "Hey, the Steelers team really is done." Yeah, and I think the problem they've got, they don't have their next franchise quarterback on the roster. So it's going to be Ben out there just dealing with it, I think, all season long, barring an injury, of course. So could be a painful watch, could be a team that people still haven't adjusted to. Definitely wanted to get your take because I'm a little biased as a Packers fan. I'm a little too emotional about the Packers. I'm not the worst in my family by far. (laughs) <laughs> promise I'm trying to get better but a quick recap of the picks that we like uh, we both like that over 51 for the Monday night game between the Raiders and Chargers KC likes the over on Robbie Anderson at 46 and a half receiving yards this week I like the over on Christian Kirk at 43 and a half in a, a Rams Cardinals game that should be a really fun shootout I'm taking the Bucks minus seven in New England I think it's going to be double digits I'm probably going to be wrong but I'm going to take that side anyway KC is on Tennessee giving up seven, going up against the Jets because the Jets, frankly, don't do anything well. Uh, before we go, I should let you know you can follow KC on Twitter at KCJoinerTFS. That's for The Football Scientist. You can check out his writing over at The Athletic and at TheFootballScientist.com. You can find me on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. Michael Beller returns from Hawaii. He'll be back for Best on the Board next week. Thanks for listening along all week. Good luck in week four. <laughs>